Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Give somebody a high five before you sit down. Hey, we're focusing this morning on verse 3. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, sheep are built in such a way, we've all seen sheep. Sheep are built in such a way where they're kind of top-heavy, right? It's like a monster truck with, like, little bitty, like, uh, you know, micro-machine wheels. And so you guys know how it is. Like, they skip leg day. And so sheep are built in such a way to where it's easy for them to fall over. They could step into a, you know, a ditch or a hole or get knocked over by other sheep, sometimes scratching themselves and uh, and. You know, sometimes they're just out of shape, so they fall down. Um, when I was a, a, a kid, they had a commercial on TV about, I think it was called Life Alert, and there was this woman that's, like, kind of by the couch, and she's laying there, and she's, like, reaching out, and she's like, help, I've fallen, and I can't get up. Does, has anybody ever seen that commercial? And that's kind of what happened to sheep sometimes. They have this condition, and it's called being downcast. Everybody say downcast. It's, a, it's an actual term for, for shepherds. They call that, that's what happens to a sheep when they fall down and they can't get back up. And so what the problem that happens is sometimes when the sheep fall down and they can't get back up, they begin to, their, their stomach begins to develop gases and stuff like that because they're not able to breathe properly. And it, their stomach can swell and harden and it can actually suffocate the sheep. So they can die just simply from being in a state of being downcast, falling, and they can't get up. Isn't that tragic? And so what they need, what the sheep needs, is they need not another sheep to come get them up. They actually need a shepherd to come in and to help them get up so they can do the things that they're supposed to do. Now, um, Psalm 20, uh, sorry, Psalm 43, David shares this. He says, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? So he's saying, listen, my soul is like the sheep some of my sheep that are out there, they get lost. My soul is like that. My soul at times gets downcast. How many of you have ever felt like that? Like you fell, fell down or, you know, maybe you're scratching itch or maybe an event happened in your life and you got knocked over and you were like that woman. I've fallen and I can't get up. I need some help. And David says this. He says, this is how my soul is. Why so downcast? Oh, my soul. Why so disturbed within me? And then he tells his soul this, put your hope in God. For yet I will praise him, my Savior, the one who saves me from my downcast position. Life happens, doesn't it? We suffer loss. We get knocked down. Sometimes, sometimes we're in that condition just because we're out of shape. Right? We've gotten so fat and fluffy that, you know, our, those, those little beady legs won't, won't hold us up anymore. And for me, this happened. In 2016, 
uh, we had we had just moved into this building. We did a lot of work, man. I was super physically tired. I was emotionally tired from just putting all this time in. We were wrestling with the city, and we had lost some people over the over the course of that year. Some people in our church that were really dear to us, and it's always hard when someone leaves a church, you know, because you love them and you're in a relationship. And so we had lost some people, and we had all this stuff going on. The church at that time was about four years old. And um, we, we thought the church was going to be a little further along than it was. You know, we thought we'd just kind of move out here and, you know, play a couple of songs. I'd get up and preach real hard and people would just, you know, show up. We'd have like a mega church in like two weeks. We kind of thought that's what would happen. And, um, and so, you know, I found myself in this condition with all this disappointing uh, disappointment. And um, I was grumpy. Come on, I was stressed. Some of you are like, oh, I remember. Yeah, you were real grumpy. Um, I was stressed out. I, I couldn't chill. Like, my days off, like, I, I was like, I was just frustrated. It seemed like I was always annoyed, always frustrated, like, very intolerable of everybody and everything. And so I was dealing with this specifically in the fall of 2016. So on Christ, when Christmas time came around, I, uh, Leslie and I were uh, getting ready to go to uh, El Paso to West Texas to celebrate Christmas with our family like we do every year. So, man, we got, we, we were packing Christmas night, and the next morning, we, we loaded all of our stuff, and we're on the road. We're actually on, on the road early, which for me is, like, really, really good. I like to be early. And so we were on the road, like, a few minutes early, I think, and I was just frustrated. Like, I had barreled through Christmas. How many of you have ever been through a season before, and you're like, I can just power through today? And that's how it was on Christmas, how I powered through. But, man, the day after that, I was just, I just didn't have anything in me. And so Leslie and I are driving down the road, and I'm grumpy, and I'm complaining. And Leslie looks over at me, and she says, she says, what is wrong with you? And that was the same question that I've been asking myself for months. And I told her, and this is, it was very difficult. you got to understand something. I, I, I totally believe that I am in charge of my happiness. I, I totally believe that. I believe that 100%. That nothing else has control over my happiness. I have control. And so when I said this, it was huge. And I look at her, and I said, I'm just not happy. And I just began to bawl. And we're driving down the highway, and Leslie's crying, and I'm crying. She's like, I have no idea you feel this way. I was like, I just I thought the church would be further, and you know, all these people that we invested our lives into, and they're gone. And like, I'm just, I'm falling, and I can't get up. And I'm dealing with all these issues. And so I would like to tell you that that broke it, that that was the end of my discouragement. But it wasn't actually. It was, it was just the beginning because when I said that, it's like I've kind of took ownership of this, like, discouragement. And it seemed like any time I meet a friend or a pastor, which I have, you know, mentors in my life, and I have a pastor that I go to and talk to, it seemed like every time I had the opportunity to whine about my circumstance, I would. And I'm not a whiner. If you know me very well, you know that I, I just, I'm just not very negative like that. And I would just begin to tell them, how's the church going? Uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard. I just talk about how hard it was. And I was just, I was just really unsettled and unhappy, and I was really like, man, God, what am I going to do with my life? Like, this is not what I signed up for. And so it was about six months, and then that summer, 2017, we decided to, we had a, Leslie's parents have a, have a timeshare, and so we decided to go to Disney World, right? The happiest place on earth, you know, the most magical place on earth. So I thought, man, we go to Disney World, you know, break it. <laughs> so we go to Disney World, and we kind of had this crazy thing happen in the morning where Uriah got lost, and we thought maybe he was dead. And, I mean, it was just a rough morning. 
And so that day we end up going out. That's a story for another time. I'll let Leslie tell it. Um, so we're at Disney World. I mean, you know, the people, everything. And Leslie and I are just kind of, we kind of had this like tension. Like our morning had started off pretty bad. And it had been like this, I had been like in this negative state for like about nine months. And Leslie said this statement, and she wasn't being mean. If you know Leslie, she's always so so tender, but she was probably done too. And she said, there goes Josh being Mr. Miserable again. And I thought, that's not, that's not who I am. I am not Mr. Miserable. And it took me hearing that. It took me hearing what I was bringing to the table. Come on. It took me hearing that to say, I'm done. I am not Mr. Miserable. That is not who I am. And I'm telling you, when she said that, something broke off my life. It's like the truth set me free. And so we finished our trip, had a phenomenal vacation. Thank God that this was the, kind of the first part of it. And we're driving home, and we're in the van, and uh, there's an app called Time Hop that kind of goes through the archives of your social media and reminds you of things that you had said or pictures you've taken in the past. And I opened up that app, and I saw that there was a tweet that I'd posted eight years before that prophesying to my condition that I was in. And the, the, the tweet said this, so I think we have it. It said, there's a difference between being discouraged, a season of discouragement, and a spirit of discouragement. And when I say that, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so for me, before that moment, I man, I'd had days where I was discouraged. Most Mondays for pastors are that way. I'd had seasons where it was a little bit harder, maybe a couple weeks. But I, what, I, what it showed me at that moment is that I was functioning under a spirit of discouragement. Now, by that, I'm not saying it's a demonic spirit, but I was carrying discouragement. It had become my identity and beloved, I'm here to tell you today that God doesn't want you to be in that scenario. I think probably the best way to talk about how we feel is, is, is talking about being downcast. And I think that that looks a lot of different ways. The first way that uh, the downcast soul looks like, first of all, is, is disappointment. Disappointment. We've all been disappointed, right? You were probably disappointed this morning. Maybe you went to go get a donut and there wasn't one. We ran out of vanilla creamer, which we tend to do. Because none of y'all like real coffee. Kidding. But it says in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, Hope deferred makes a heart sick. What is that talking about? It's talking about disappointment. That word deferred uh, means drawn out, like it's taken a long time. Right? Like your life is sitting in traffic. Where it means scattered. Your hope has been scattered. The, the absence of hope, the lack of hope, makes a heart sick. Have you ever been there? Your heart has been sick. Another level of the downcast soul is discouragement. So disappointment, discouragement. Discouragement is a temporary, everybody say temporary. A temporary feeling. So discouragement is something, it comes and goes, right? 
I'm here today, but it won't always feel this way. Uh, the word discouraged means to deprive of courage. See, when you're discouraged, you, you don't have any courage. You can't do the things that you're supposed to do. You can't do the things that God has called you to do. You can't do the things that you were built for. Why? Because you don't have courage to do it. You don't have the ability to overcome an addiction. Why? Because you just don't have any courage. You're discouraged. You, you can't even, even overcome your, your mouth <laughs> or your attitude. Why? Because you're discouraged. You don't have courage to do the things that you're supposed to do, to deprive of courage, hope, or confidence. You're discouraged. So disappointment, discouragement. The third is depression. As a, as a pastor, I, I struggle with postpartum depression every Monday because I deliver a baby on Sunday. And so I call it on Monday the way I feel when I wake up is postpartum depression. I'm obviously being a little bit dramatic, but, but I kind of feel like, you know, I've got all this energy and I'm all week, build up, boom, deliver it the next day. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so wiped out emotionally, gone mentally, I'm just checked out. That's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about depression, I'm talking about real depression. Not that you've had a bad day. Some of you have a bad day and you go, oh, I'm depressed today. Or some of you have a bad week. Oh, I'm depressed this week. Listen, maybe you're not really dealing with depression as much as you're just being dramatic. And so for me, I went through nine months, and I never not once said I was depressed. Because I feel like depression is a very real thing in our culture. And whenever we go around throwing words like that around, then what happens is when people have those real conditions, sometimes other people are just crying wolf. And so it's important that we just don't throw those words around. But check this out, 9.5% of Americans struggle with clinical depression. Clinical depression, that a doctor has sat with them and said, you are depressed. Now, during this season that I, that I went through this, right after, which I should have, I don't know why I waited, but after I broke this spirit of discouragement in my life, I went to a counselor, so it didn't happen again, and I met with a counselor several times. And he's my counselor. If I need counsel, that's where I'm going to go. You know, outside of a pastor and a mentor, I'm going to go to this guy if I feel like that, hey, I need, some, I need someone that's objective. I, I am all about that. If you need to go see a counselor, which you probably do from time to time, no matter who you are, talk about the things, absolutely. I am a, an endorser of that. And uh, he told me, he said, he said you know, because I was not going to use the depression word, right? And uh, maybe, maybe some of it was pride, but he told me, he said, you were probably battling some depression during that time, but I wasn't going to label it myself. However, I do realize that sometimes people really do battle depression. And one out of 10, one out of 10 Americans are, I'm not okay with that. If you're depressed, I'm not okay with that. I want you to get better. I think God has more for you than that. Listen, I don't have a, people say, well, what do you think about medicating that stuff? Listen, if you need medication for a season, then do it. But don't go searching for it. Make sure that someone prescribes it. Make sure you really need it. You don't want to be putting that junk in your body. When I was, I want to say it was about 16 years ago, I weighed about 280 pounds. I was a fat boy, fat 25-year-old, something like that, 25, 26-year-old. And I went to this doctor. We were living in El Paso at the time. And they checked my blood pressure. And he said, you need to get on blood pressure medication. And the thought is, is once you go on blood pressure medication, you're on it for the rest of your life. So I started taking this pill every single 
day. But let me tell you what else I did. I got on a diet, and I lost about 40 pounds. And I continued to lose weight throughout my life. Why? Because I didn't want to have to depend on a substance. I wanted to be in control of what was happening in my body. Are you with me? So I'm not knocking the medication. If you need that for a little while, then, then by all means, if a doctor tells you and you're not going to pursue that, come on, then by all means, get help. Please get help. Let's get you to a place where you can get healthy. So if you're battling depression, we're not here to tell you that you've done something wrong or to simply get over it. Because a lot of times that's been the church's approach, right? Your depression, get depressed, get over it. And that's kind of my default, I'll be honest with you. That's kind of where I, I'm like, you can get over you can. And I do believe you can overcome it. However, sometimes you need some help, and we're here to help. But I, I, I do want you to recognize this. There are things that you can do to get yourself spiritually healthy. Come on. And I think you try these things first. Because everything, listen, beloved, everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Do you understand this? That you are a soul with a body. You have a body. So there might be some jacked up things in your DNA. There might be some physical things that are causing you to feel certain ways. Absolutely. But listen, everything is spiritual. And spiritual things, listen, spiritual things can override the natural things. And so what I would encourage you to do if you are battling depression or discouragement or whatever, that you would understand and treat that as a spiritual issue first, not secondary. I know what the world's telling you. I know what the culture's telling you. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But what I'm saying is you are spiritual. Let's try to deal with it there. And, beloved, listen, there is hope. There is hope, and you can overcome. You can't. And the fourth area is, is disarray. Disarray means that you are lost, that you can't find your way, that you're beyond depression. You are totally out of it. You're confused, you're frustrated, you feel like life is on a treadmill. So what happens when we are in these places. So what are you talking about? This doesn't have anything to do with that verse. The verse says, he restores my soul. See, shepherds, what they'll do is, is they'll look around and make sure that their sheep are healthy. And if they see one has fallen into a downcast position, what the shepherd will do is quickly, listen, quickly go over to that sheep, begin to massage and rub his legs Begin to get the blood flow back in its legs, his little, little legs. Turn him up on his side and get him standing up and watch him until he has his balance and looks over him until he's able to stand on his feet again. This process, listen, this process is called restoring the sheep. And part of the reason why it's so uh, difficult to restore sheep is because oftentimes sheep that get in this position are lost. So this is part of the reason why the shepherd is so concerned when he can't find you, when you're out of the flock, when he's looking, he's like, why does he leave the, they could have drowned. We talked about that last week. They could have these, these irritants in their, in their head, which we talked about last week. It could, be, it could be a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is they could be downcast. 
They could suffocate. They could die. So he is urgently seeking to save those which are lost. So he goes, he restores the sheep, and then oftentimes put them on a, maybe a rigorous diet. If the sheep has, has wool that has is, that is grown long and it is weighing him down to keep him down on the ground, he'll trim his wool. So it says that he restores my soul. He picks me up, he restores me, and then he says this. It says that he guides me on paths of righteousness. So listen, Jesus, the good shepherd, restores us to set us in a right path. So there's, there's kind of two, two ideas here with righteousness. First of all, it's positional righteousness. Positional righteousness is what it talks about in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him, he knew no sin, to become sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. So positionally righteous. You are, when you come to Jesus, you are positionally as righteous as you'll ever be. You'll never be more righteous. You'll never be less righteous. When you come to Jesus, you are righteous in Jesus. Signed, sealed, and delivered. And not just as righteous as you are, as righteous as God is. Positionally right. That's positional righteousness. However, there's another kind of righteousness. And that is paths of righteousness. That is the right, perfect, fruitful pathway. The right path. The best path. How many know there's your path for your life and there's God's path for your life? His path is better. I know you think you have some great ideas and dreams and visions. His are better and bigger. So he he positions you, positional righteousness, so you can walk down the path that he has planned. And he does this not just for you. He does it for him. That's why it says, he restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name. For his name's sake. So, beloved, don't you think he is more concerned about your health than you are? He's more concerned about your health than you are. I love you. I'm concerned about you. But he is way more concerned than you are because it's for his name's sake. His name is on the line. So he invested. He gave it all. So you could be restored. So that you could walk on the best path. So if you think it's his namesake, don't you think he is more concerned about you than you are concerned about it? So once he positions this, how do we stay up? How do we stay up? Everybody say, stay up. How do we stay up? Psalms 16. You ready? Here it is. Here's the answer. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. The Lord was David's counselor. Nothing wrong with having earthly counselors also, but the main counselor is God. God is my main counselor. My heart also instructs me in the night season. I know in my heart, because God is counseling me, that he instructs me even in the dark season, even when it's night on my soul, the great night of the soul. Listen, he instructs you even there. The Lord is my shepherd. I have set the Lord, and here's the key right here. I have set the Lord always before me. Circle that. Always. 
I have set the Lord always. How often? Sunday mornings? Community group? Bible study time at home? Quiet time? Some of you don't need a quiet time. You need a loud time with the Lord. Always. He's always before me. I have set him there. I'm not waiting for him. I've set him there. Here you are, Lord. Because he is at my right hand, because he's right there, I will not be moved. I'm unshakable. Therefore, because of that, because I've done all these things, when we see a therefore in the Bible, you go, why is it therefore? Well, he just told you all this stuff. Therefore, my heart is glad. Some of you want a glad heart. Set the Lord always before you. And my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope. Even my flesh. For you will not leave my soul in the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. It's for his name's sake. You will show me the path of life, that righteous path. In your presence, there it is again. The Lord always before me. In your presence is fullness of joy. Where the fullness of the Lord is, there is fullness of joy. So I would encourage you to invite the Lord to your discouragement. Invite the Lord to your depression, to your disappointment. Invite the Lord there because in his presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I love that. It's always pleasurable. It's always joyful because he is full of joy. And he wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to be full of hope. He wants you to be full of life. He wants you to be full, full of him. So how, 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 how can we stay up? Well, you live, first of all, live close to the good shepherd. Because that's what we're talking about, right? Being in his presence. Not just Sundays. Sundays are great. It's a great little boost. Our tendency sometimes when we get discouraged is we go, we, we get on the, the ground, we lay there, and we go, bleep, bleep, we bleep, bleeding, bleating to death. That's bad. Now we said that first verse, it's funnier. Our tendency is that we, when we experience this downcast state, we just lay there. It's so bad. We have pictures of those downcast sheep. We just lay there. We just lay there. Other sheep are looking at us. Got that other one? The other sheep looking at us. What's wrong with that guy? Just bleeding. Fallen. Beloved, stay close to the good shepherd. So if you do fall down, he's right there. Let him scratch your itch. You keep, you keep, you keep, you try to scratch your itch all the time. That's why you keep falling. Well, I'll just try to get, whoops, there we go again. Bring it to the Lord. From the Passion Translation, Matthew 11, love Matthew 11. Neil brought a great word on that several weeks ago. We've been talking about it a little bit in this series. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? They come to me, and I'll refresh your life. I am your oasis. 
Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me. See, when we live close to the good shepherd, he will groom us when we need to be groomed. He will help us with our diet so we don't get unhealthy and it's so easy for us to fall over. That's not always the case that you fall over, but that it can definitely call, help cause to get you there. So allow him to groom you. See, sheep have thick wool coats that over time, if they keep growing, they'll begin to collect stuff, right? They'll begin to collect burrs and briars and stickers and mud and poop. They go poop and it gets stuck on their wool. You need to get that crud off. You need to get it off. Well, how are you going to get it off? You're going to go pick? No, you're going to allow the good shepherd to come in with his shears and trim you. See, it says in John 15, verse 2, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more fruit. So when he's correcting you, when he's trimming you, it's not, a, it's not a sign of his rejection. It's a sign of his affirmation. He's saying, I love you. I want you to be healthy. Let me get rid of some of that. That's uncomfortable. It's not fun. I'm keeping all of the effects of this world from holding on to you. In 2015, there was an Australian sheep named Chris. Everybody say, hello, Chris. We've got a picture of Chris here. Now, Chris doesn't really look like a sheep. In fact, there's a picture out there on the interwebs that have a picture of Chris with a, because it's Australia, a bunch of kangaroos like looking at him like, what the heck is that weird thing over there? Well, it's snowball sheep. So they found the sheep. It was lost, obviously lost. If it was under the care of a good shepherd, it wouldn't have got like this. They sedated it, and they sheared Chris. We have pictures of Chris being sheared, I think. Yeah, look at that. So they sedated, sedated him and got all this. Look at how pretty the wool is under there. Look at that. I'm going to take a nap. They said that they sheared off 89 pounds of wool off the sheep. Now, wool isn't that heavy, like just holding in your hand. 89 pounds. We have before and after, I think. Oh, so cute. Little, little like, 40-pound sheep. <laughs> think about how hard it was to carry that around. Think about all the mess and the manure and the stickers and all the junk that it carried around. We're told that sheep produce about five pounds a year. Do the math. 89 pounds. How long had this sheep been alone? I read that after they trimmed Chris, that they were able to produce 30 sweaters from that wool. Did you know that you were meant to give of yourself? In fact, if not giving of yourself is unhealthy, you're created to produce in such a way that you would benefit others. Come on. So if you will learn to hold loosely to what is mine, you might be a little more healthy. Because you, come on, you were meant to yield. And you say, well, he's talking about money. Yeah, we're talking about money, but we're talking about more than that. 
Some of you are so stingy with your emotions. You're so stingy with your honor. Come on. You hold on to God. You're so, you're so stingy with forgiveness, with tenderness, with mercy. You're so stingy, and what's happening is you're just creating something that's just holding on to everything that's thrown at it. And it can kill you. So number one, stay close to the good shepherd. Allow him to work on you. Allow him to clean you up, to prune you. Number two, lead your soul. Everybody say lead. Did you know that you have the keys? You are in charge of your soul. Nobody else is. This world isn't. You are in charge. You have the keys. You have authority over your soul. So, so we say don't, don't follow your heart. We say lead your heart. Follow Jesus and lead our heart. I know Hobby Lobby will tell you lead your heart. Hobby Lobby's great. Don't follow your heart. Lead your heart. I want to go buy one of those and just mark it out. No. Lead. Don't follow your heart. It'll get you in trouble. Follow Jesus and lead your heart. How do you lead your soul? Well, it says this, that, that David, in Psalm 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. <laughs> Some of you need to, like, encourage yourself in the Lord. Oh, nobody will encourage me. Nobody will encourage me. Well, you just wake up tomorrow and go, you awesome child of God. Right? Lead the, what are you doing? You're leading your soul. You're amazing. Jesus died for you. Look in the mirror. Jesus died for you. Like, you work on your preaching. Some of you are going to be preachers one day. Work on your preaching. Look up there and be, you say, you are, Jesus died for you. You're so worth Jesus. He loves you. He adores you. Watch all that shame just begin to fall off your life. Watch all that junk you begin to carry start falling off your life because you start prophesying to your own soul. Listen, beloved, encourage yourself in the Lord. Yeah, we need others around us, but you got to learn to do it yourself sometimes because people aren't always going to be there. And if, you, and if you're stupid like I was for nine months, for the first part of that, I didn't tell anybody. I was just going to process it and process it. It's a good way to get in trouble. Lead your soul. Listen, you don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be depressed. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what a doctor says. You don't have to be that way. Just like I didn't have to have high blood pressure. You don't have to be that way. God has given you the power to overcome. It may be chemical. It may be hereditary. It may be circumstantial. But it is not your destiny. This might be where you're at. Awesome. We love you. We want to help you get beyond it. Beloved, we want to help you. So how, how do I lead my soul, number one? You dig into the word. I'm so discouraged. When was the last time you read your Bible? Let's start there. Memorize the word. You don't have to know chapter and verse. That wasn't in the originals anyway. You just read the Bible. You get the word in you. Oh, that's not right. The word says that I'm the righteousness of God. Where's that? Where's that? Where's that? Where's that? Where's that? You don't have to know where it is. Just know that it says it. Memorize the word. Speak the word. Know what God says about you. Know what God's plans are for you. Can I know the plans? Yes. Read the word. It tells you all of that. Yeah. 
preach to yourself. Number two, speak to your soul. That's exactly what David did here. Psalm 43, 5. Why so down? Why so downcast? Oh, my soul. Put your hope in God. Hey! In that mirror. Hey! Put your hope in God. Why are you, why are you thinking about that? Put your hope in God. I know they didn't like your last post on social media. That don't matter. God likes you. Get off social media. Maybe. Some of you need to. I need to. All right. Speak to your soul. And listen, when you're talking about speak to your soul, sing to your soul. You know, music is the language of the soul. That's why it's important to, to, to monitor what you're listening to and what you're singing. Isaiah 54 says, sing barren woman. It doesn't say sing pregnant woman. It says, sing barren woman because the day's coming. See, we have joy because we rejoice. We don't rejoice because we have joy. I mean, we do, but sometimes the rejoicing part comes first. You got a reason to rejoice. I mean, Jesus died for you. That's huge. That's worth like a billion amens. More than that. In fact, we'll be saying amen about that forever. Misery, listen, and we say that, choose joy. That would be the third part. Misery will always have a reason. You'll always be able to attach a reason to your misery. Always. You'll always be able to go, well, I'm miserable because. I understand. Listen, I've had sad things happen in my life too. There, are, there will always be a reason for misery. But there, is also, there will also always be a reason for joy. Jesus is on the throne. Jesus likes you, regardless of maybe what you think or somebody told you, he is in love with you, like really, really loves you. He likes you too. He's not just cosmically obligated to love you. He's like, he likes you. He's like really in love with you. He like, you're like on his mind. He knows like how jacked up you are. Me too. He's like, I still like that. I want to spend time with you today. I want to give you some joy. Isaiah 53 uh, 3 says that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. Jesus knows sorrow. Jesus knows grief. Jesus knows pain. Uh, almost 20 years ago, I went through a real dark season in my life, but dealing with some like loneliness and some rejection. And I remember like crying out to the Lord. I was like, Lord, I feel so rejected. I feel so alone. And I'm like singing this song. Lord, I just, I need you. And he's like, yeah. So Jesus is like sitting there and he goes, Josh, I understand. I'm rejected every single day. And I was like, all right. Will you show me? Will you show me how to get beyond it? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. This is what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't look at you and go, Get over it. He don't do that. You know what he does? He goes, let me carry that. Let me carry your sorrow. Let me carry your brokenness. Let me carry your grief. So, beloved, what reasoning will you live by? I would say this. Stop talking about your condition and start declaring your destiny. Start declaring that depression has got to go. Depression has got to go. It's a violation of your God-given destiny. It's illegal for depression to remain in you. It's illegal. It doesn't belong there. It's not of God's kingdom. 
I would say any sickness, it's illegal for to be in you. Any sickness, physical sickness, mental sickness, it's illegal. Don't own your condition. Own your position. Don't own your condition. Own your position. I am a child of God. I am more than a conqueror. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. I am not Mr. Miserable. And number three is stay close to the flock. And I know I need to hurry, but listen. One of the tendencies is this when we go through a hard season is we tend to separate ourselves. I just need to be alone. Listen, the worst place for you to be when you're lonely is alone. It's the worst place. When you're discouraged, the worst. I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert, extrovert, whatever. Call it what you want. The worst place for you to be is alone. Again, part of the shepherd's concern about a sheep being away and a sheep being lost and a sheep being alone, part of his greatest concern is they could get downcast when they're on their own and he can't see it. For some reason in our culture, for some reason in our lives, whenever we, we go through these things, we, we separate ourselves. And for some reason, for some reason, church is the first thing to go. I got work. I got soccer. I got gymnastics. I'll, I'll just cut church out because all those other things are more important. And you wonder why you're unhealthy emotionally. Because you need Christian fellowship. And it's not just like church, like on Sunday mornings. That's great. But you need like believers in your life that will cheer you on. You can pick up the phone and be like, you know what? Today sucks. I need some encouragement. And I'm, I can't hear from the Lord right now. And that person can hear from the Lord for you. Do you have those kind of relationships? Beloved, we need one another. And I don't, man, I don't know where I would be right now if, if through those nine months that I was dealing with all this, I don't know where I would be right now if I didn't have people that I could talk to. And thank God that, that God gave me the grace to go to them and not have to be so prideful and have it all together, which I tend to do. I remember sitting down with Pastor Emma, remember? Sitting there in the lobby and just weeping. And him weeping with me. I remember sitting with Pastor Chad with tears in his eyes. Pastor Chad, our, one of our, our big sister church, and, and uh, Pastor Chad just weeping with me. Pastor Adam, my pastor, just sitting there going, talking, weeping with me. Cheer me. I had to have that fellowship. You've got to have it, beloved. Stay close to the flock. Don't separate yourself. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some people are just in the habit of being unfaithful to the body of Christ, being unfaithful to church, being unfaithful hanging out. They're just, they're just in the habit of not getting together. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching, as it's hard and it's difficult. And the harder, listen, the harder it is to be connected to the community of Christ, listen, the harder it is, that, that's an indicator the more that you need it. So press in for that. There's three things we're praying. Live close to the good shepherd. Lead your soul. And stay close to the flock.